You're listening to a podcast from WSUM. Hello, Madison, and welcome to You Seem Exceptional, an interview show that you're currently listening to on WSUM 91.7 FM Madison. Each week on this show, we'll have a guest on to get to know them and their story. I'm your host, Oliver Gearhart. This is my co-host, Jeb Blossom. And today our guest is... Dina Nina Martinez Rutherford. All right. And as a little foreword, this uh, show was pre-recorded the morning of February the 10th. So, Dina, yes. what can you tell me about your dog? Oh, my God. She is my favorite thing in the world. Uh, she is a mini rat terrier. Um, that's what we've been told, so that's what I go with. I don't, you know, like, she's mine. I love her no matter what. Um, she is uh, eight years old, so she's getting really big. <laughs> And um, she judges me a lot. <laughs> um, so yeah, I she's she's like my favorite thing in the world. She is eight years old now, and she judges me constantly. Um, How do you know? Like I just see it in her face. Like mm. she's looking at me like she's like, she has like the face of a cat. You know when a cat you're like look at a cat and a cat's like. Oh, I have some choice words for this person. She has that same look. And then, like, of course, like, I'm doing this Duolingo thing because, like, I really want to learn French. So I'm working on French. And every time, every time she knows when I'm doing a French lesson and she'll come right up in my face and get right up under my nose, right between me and my phone. And I'm like, girl, I have some French words for you. <laughs> How small is your dog? She's uh, eight pounds. Oh, my gosh. Um, which is my goal weight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dina, where are you from? Uh, originally, I'm from Texas. It comes out. I can, I've heard it several times this morning already. Uh, originally, north of Dallas in a town called Salina. Uh, kind of have lived all over the U.S., uh, lived in Indiana for a little bit, New York for a little bit, and then I was out in L.A. for quite a bit um, before I moved to Wisconsin on purpose. <laughs> what brought you here? So two of my best friends, uh, two of my best friends are from here, and I met them out in L.A. One of them I worked with, and the other one um, I met through him. And, uh, you know, I, I was out there, I, I started doing comedy, found kind of like where I wanted to go. And, and then I was like, I'm poor and this is hard living here. <laughs> like it's, it was just hard living in LA. And I was like, I was so tired of working so hard and barely getting anywhere. And so, um, my bestie is like, I'm going to grad school in Arkansas. Do you want to go? And I was like, sure. Um, and then we came here to work for the summer. And I was like, so they kill people like me in Arkansas. So I am, I am going to stay here. <laughs> so I stayed here. And the rest is history. <laughs> How long have you been here for? Uh, 11 years. I think it's almost 12 years. I anyway. Uh, yeah, it will almost be 12 years in, wow. in the summer. Um, shockingly, like half of your lives. Yeah, more than half of my life. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> we were six. <laughs> Super. <laughs> so in those 
11 years, you become the alder of the 15th district. Uh, what is an alder? An alder, so it's kind of like, so it's your city council. Okay. Um, I, I, many cities call them different things, city councilor, alder. And we meet in a group every week and or every other week and talk about, you know, make laws for the city. And, and it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I came from comedy, obviously. Um, I, but I'm, I'm a very serious person on the inside. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's a weird little thing, that <laughs> a little space, but I'm, I'm really enjoying my time as an alder and um, hoping that I'm able to make more and more differences for people that, that really need it. I guess I'm just used to the alders because I'm from Chicago. Yeah. I guess yeah. I, I guess it's not that common of a word that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. It's not I mean, it yeah, who knows? They and then like they gender it in, in Chicago and Milwaukee, so it's like alder woman or alder men and I'm like, what about people that are non binary? Yeah. Alder human? Like what are it's just come on, maybe. just call it an alder. Yeah. Like Thanks. I was I was saying alder person, and I realized, wait, they're just calling an alder, even on the web. And I was like, oh, it's weird in Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably normal. It's just so gendered, yeah. you know? like, <laughs> And even though Chicago is always like, we have the most diverse city council, um, I beg to differ because we have 25% LGBTQ. Wow. Uh, and one trans person. <laughs> Moi. Um, and Chicago does not have... They have like almost that, but like twenty percent or something. Thank you very much. I'm bragging. <laughs> so great that Madison's winning. Yeah, yeah, um, we are the winners. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are the bounds of the fifteenth district? What's the area on that? So it's on the east side of Madison. Um, it I'm about a block east of Barrymore Theater. Okay. Um, and it goes all the way up to Stoughton Road. Um, and then on the other side, it's Aberg, Eastwash, kind of cuddle it, like hold it in its nice arm. Um, and then over to Flom. So I, I butt up to uh, Monona. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. What's your favorite part about your district? I mean, I love <laughs> all of it. Um, we have a lot of beautiful green space because Olbrick Gardens over by in my district and um, right on Lake Monona. Um, there's some beautiful land there. There are incredible people. Like when I first moved here, I kind of landed <coughs> in the in the same area, and the humans in the in my district, I just like ah, love. <laughs> So, I mean, when it comes down to it, it's the people on the property, right? Like, the things that I love the most are the interactions I have with my constituents, the, the ability to walk through a park and run into, like, 20 people that I know. It's, it's great. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. It, it, it's definitely a difference. So, like, L.A. felt... And and I love a big city. I'm you know I'm a I'm a big city girl. Even though I came from the country, I never felt like I was a country girl. I was like, hmm, maybe I shouldn't have been born here. This is weird. <laughs> um, 
but like being in a city, you make connections, but they're different. I, I moved here and I found like real deep friends, like people that I can't ever imagine not being in my life. And I have a couple of those from LA, but a lot of it's just based on, you know, we're working together, we're drinking together, you know, like, you know, we're acting together, we're, you know, but but nothing that felt substantial. Uh, and and that's not to diminish the relationships that I still have, but, it, but like for the most part, but here, because I, I thought I was going to move it to the middle of the country and get murdered or married, you know, and, and <laughs> I'm still single uh, and still alive, you know. <laughs> so it was surprising when I moved here and that was that's been my experience, you know, because I'm like I, when you're trans, especially in the early aughts and the aughts, you know, when y'all were little feet eye. Um, that's the plural of fetus. The more you know. Um, the more you know. Um, it was, it, there, we didn't have people on television. You know, like we didn't have trans people in office. We didn't, a lot of us were, <clears throat> you know, working in the black market uh, to just get our needs met, you know? And, and, and that's still the case. But... I thought I was going to die. <laughs> and I get here and I start working at this restaurant and there's another trans person. And I'm like, holy cow, this is awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. And that, I mean, it was just a, a definite, definite um, surprise and like this beautiful way of feeling welcomed home. Does that make sense? I'm so cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> So back when you ran for Alder, your your top concerns were things like affordable housing, improvements to infrastructure, social justice issues, and LGBT rights. Mm-hmm. Um, how did what brought those issues to the forefront when you got to Madison? I think there were all of those things. Less so housing, but like I, th- I think all of those things, you know, the issues with LGBTQ people and like I recall. This, like, I sound like the oldest person, but like, I remember being being told that I could never marry somebody I cared for, and being like, it will always be that. Like, we will never, like, in my lifetime, I can't ever see this country accepting uh, same sex relationships as valid marriages. Even year like a year and a half before everything got changed. Like I, I didn't I didn't see that we could have that. I think it was just a lack of imagination. <laughs> um but but to be but to think that I could transition, be a woman, move to the middle of the country, be loved and accepted for who I am, people will come to shows that I do and enjoy my comedy and my perspective. Um, God, people would elect me to an office, you know, like we didn't see those things. So 
in the lead up to last year when I decided to run for for office and the strides we've made in visibility and acceptance and then to see the backlash of my siblings um, trans siblings are dying because they are being murdered they are being told that they are unacceptable and killing themselves you know like there's just like the lead up to to my election was all the stuff that you know I see kids that are being told by adults that they are not worth anything (laughs) you know unless they change the way they everything about them this is one thing I know as a human being. I'm from Texas. I'm from a very conservative Christian family. I grew up in that in that world and was really steeped in that world. I was, you know, I was a I did worship and led small group pastor and stuff like that. So knowing all of that, I had to stand up for those kids who are like, I'm in the middle of the country. Nobody understands me. There's no one else like me. I might as well just shove off, you know? That's why I did it. So on an interview about six months ago, you said that you've been helping the families of transgender youth by allowing them to ask you questions they wanted to ask their children. How's that been going? Well, I mean, I, any chance I get to, here, here, to mitigate harm for somebody that's going through a really hard time, I'm all about it. Mm-hmm. Anybody can, you know, book an appointment with me, talk to me about, like, um, ask me the questions that they probably shouldn't ask their trans or transitioning loved one, you know, like. The rough you know, stuff. The rough <laughs> stuff. Like, because throughout my life, I've gotten used to hearing, you know, ask people, uh, random strangers or people that I'm just colleagues with, ask, uh, what is it like transitioning? What's the surgery like? Those things. Um, there, It's not anybody's business unless I want to share that. And I know people are curious. Yes, you can find it online. But... Our loved ones go through a transition as well. Like, you know, they're adjusting to it. They're learning about, you know, the things that you can say and you can't say. So I want to be that person that they can be offensive and and ask those (laughs) questions to so that they don't, they can, you know, preserve their relationship with their loved one and learn the things that they need to learn. And... Honestly, like my when I transitioned, my really religious aunt, or you know, very Christian, very Texas aunt, said, "I don't understand it, and I don't agree with it." Which you know, the point that that I got was like, "It's against my religious yeah. beliefs." Which like, cool, cool, you know, like, whatever. Um, but she goes, "I've never seen you happier." Like, and I think it's less of happiness and more comfortable in my beingness yeah feeling like yourself yeah yeah my my 
feeling comfortable and understanding how I think, how I, you know, how I move through the world in a way that a lot of people don't have to learn about. They don't have to, they're not challenged on a daily basis to, to learn about themselves. So yeah, I'm, I feel very grateful for this journey. Did that actually answer your question or did I go all around it? I don't. (laughs) <laughs> let, me, let me remember the question. <laughs> Been a second. I mean, I think you definitely went into it. Yeah. Okay. So, sort of on the topic, uh, do you ever feel that your title of first out trans woman elected to serve office in Madison overshadows your work as an alder? I, I, I don't care mm. that it does, um, because the work I. I'm not in it for the accolades. I can get on stage and make people laugh, and that gives me accolades. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love when people are like, yeah, girl, you did that. And I'm like, woo, thank you. But more than anything, there being the first gives these kids around Wisconsin a touchstone. You know, uh, uh, they see somebody doing something that they may want to do in the, in the future, you know? So if I am, that sounded weird. Um, if, if I'm, if I give them hope, if I give them a vision of them being able to be somebody in the future, cool. Like, yeah, I'm really excited about some of the things I'm working on. I'm really excited about some of the things I've been able to do. But more than anything, I want kids to be able to stay alive and adults to also be able to stay alive. <laughs> you know? I don't want to say that's very noble because that feels weird to say, but it kind of is. Yeah. <laughs> Th- I mean, that feels weird <laughs> to hear, but like, look, I. I have wanted to not exist a lot over the last five years. Like, and I have a reason to live. So it's selfish, you know, like it's, it's definitely selfish for me because finally feeling, sorry, I didn't know I was going to cry. Finally feeling like I have a purpose that, I'm not just telling dirty jokes to make people laugh. Like I'm, oh, I hope I'm making a difference for people. <laughs> wow. That's uh, all. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm sure you are. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Well. Yeah. No. I'd say that's a really big milestone in the city of Madison, and you've accomplished that. That's something to be. That's really awesome. Thank you. I I, I mean, yes, I accomplished it, but no. Like, the city accomplished it. Like, I I couldn't have just come in and been like, hey, (laughs) I'm a trans person, elect me. You know, like, it's... Like, the city cared enough to listen to some trans lady come to the door... (laughs) for four months to all their doors and come out at every door (laughs) as a trans lady and say, I've been poor. Let's help poor people. You know, like it just, 
when you boil it down, that's kind of what I did was like, let's help poor people. I'm really poor. <laughs> you know, like, I'm trans. We need help, <laughs> you know? And I feel like my district was like, yeah. You, you need a voice to, you know, to be heard. So I feel like my district and the city of Madison cares enough about trans people that they would elect somebody is what I... So I couldn't have got elected without everybody. Yeah. Wow, I am so cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> So when you were going to when you were going door to door to campaign, uh, what was sort of your your favorite door? I guess is I, there anything that really stuck? The yeah, the feeling the most of it really impactful knock. Every door with the with the dog. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I I think I was okay. Doors are not easy. Doors in my district were easier than some. You know, like I don't. I have a pretty progressive base in my district. Like, it was 70% Democrat, you know? Um, but I, like, one of my first days, I just happened to be in this neighborhood, and, and my, my friend is going around with me, helping me get comfortable knocking doors, because I'm like, I'm great on stage, but I don't know, <laughs> you know, how do I talk to people? <laughs> About things, yeah. and so uh, there, there was this couple that uh, they lived in a cul-de-sac, which we don't have a lot of cul-de-sacs here, which is awesome. But <laughs> uh, and I might have said something kind of like snarky about somebody else, and then I was like, "Oh my God, somebody's outside!" And they heard me. <laughs> uh, it was about a friend of mine, <laughs> uh, and. All of a sudden, I start talking to this guy who's working on a car, and I'm like, and I'm like, I don't know what to expect. This is really new. And he's like, hey. And I'm like, talking about everything. And he's like, awesome. That's really cool. You're trans. Come meet my wife. You know, like it was just, I think there's like this space where you get to be human in front of other humans. And after hiding so much for so long, because I hide so well. <laughs> Um, it's nice to have that connection in a way. So, and then uh, the days got a little bit nicer, and I was out, and I got to run into him again, you know. And it was just lovely. So, every door is a different experience, and they're like, I can't think of a specific one that I was like, oh, other than, you know, I had a, a moment where I got to talk to this guy who was a lot more conservative and. And he kept saying these like really progressive things. And I was like, and then he'd be like totally regressive at the same time, which was so fascinating for me to see, you know, that dichotomy of your highly progressive ideas mixed with your highly regressive um, ideas and how we're not on one thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I read a, uh, book on deep canvassing door to door uh they handed it out all across the campus so it's just it's very interesting to hear someone's firsthand experience yeah 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 it was, it was scary it's scary when you go to that first door you're like especially if you're like trans you know like we don't 
usually try to stand out <laughs> when we're just going through day to day. And so sta- walk standing at a door, <laughs> waiting, not knowing who's on the other side and what you're going to be met with. Were there ever enough doors where you felt like it was easy now? Yeah, yes, and <laughs> um, you get in a stride, and you the harder doors you don't let bother you as much sometimes. Like, after you, you have to do it. Like, it's some are easier than others, you know, and, and you just kind of keep going. Uh, and I think that believing what I what I believe and having the convictions of those beliefs make me do the doors. Like, you know, I think it was important to have somebody vote elected that's trans in the city. You know, we're, we're a pretty awesome city, accepting city, but there are pockets that aren't really, they don't love us. And, um, How many doors do you think you've knocked on? Oh God, I don't. <laughs> I don't. I should have that count memorized. I don't. I it was thousands and thousands wow. of doors. And um, how long did it take? Uh, four months. Mm. Wow. Wow. I can barely. Well, talk. three. Oh. And some change. <laughs> I can barely talk to the guy that's making my burrito at Chipotle, so I can't even imagine knocking on that. Many well, you kind of get it down, like <laughs> you know, after you've ordered that same burrito, <laughs> you kind of know, and you're like, okay, blah 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 blah. Uh, so when I go to the door and order a burrito, it's it's pretty much the same burrito every time. Uh, but also, like they hate my my team hate how I'm like. I'll just start talking and having this heart-to-heart with these people, and they're like, we've got doors to hit. Come on, Dina. <laughs> Wrap it up. We've got and I'm like, but this human here in front of me, like, I'm listening, yeah. and we're talking, and yeah. So when do you get out there again? Um, that is to be determined. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah. There may be some information coming out soon, so pay attention. All right. (laughs) I definitely will. So what's it like being a – are there politicians as funny as you? Mm. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, There's some really great humans um, in office. I Look, I came from comedy. Everybody else – most people came from like you know nonprofit or yeah. political or city work you know like like i just was like it's time for me to do something yeah. time to jump in <laughs> right right so so like i don't have the same background so you know the, i guess the humor wasn't worked out of me <laughs> you know um and thank you <laughs> yes so, on the topic of sw- sw- sort of switching gears yeah. to the comedy background. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you've s- so you've said that you were one of the first trans comedians. I mean, I was one of the first that I knew about. Like, um, there um, there were other trans comics. You know, I, I, I by no means was the first. Yeah. You know, like, but I was one of the earlier, more visible comics that I 
that I know about. There's there uh, was a translate a couple of trans ladies on the East Coast and uh, a couple of trans ladies on the West Coast and then a trans guy comic Ian Harvey whom he's gorgeous and he's hilarious and he's like this incredibly deep person you know so yeah um so there weren't a lot of us uh i think we a lot of us felt like we still needed to be only in queer spaces for me when i transitioned i was shocked to be like oh my god i'm a heterosexual woman like oh my gosh you know like (laughs) it it went it was like this boom oh Oh, that makes so much more sense. <laughs> um, so I think when I when that happened, when I just started to feel like an, a a woman moving through society as a woman, um, I I didn't feel as uh, genuine in only in drag, yeah. for for instance, I, like it didn't feel genuine to me to be in all this makeup and all these clothes and poorly lip syncing. I was not a good lip syncer um, on stage. And so I just, it just didn't feel like me anymore. And so I was like, well, my, I was a singer too. So my voice felt really deep for a singing voice and I just didn't love it anymore. So everything I kind of had identified with drag and music didn't feel right. So I was like, what am I going to do now to fulfill my life? And and one of my friends was like, hey, you should be a comedian. And I was like, um, I'm situationally funny. <laughs> and I'm like, I can make you laugh in person, but uh, I don't know about stand-up. Because I've had people say that all, a lot. But he goes, here, I'll sit down with you and help you write your first set. And he taught me how to do it. And I got on stage and I... He goes, you've got five minutes at the top of this because I'm I'm also an MC and I've been doing that for a while. So he was like, come MC this show, do five minutes set. And I was like, okay, cool. So I got on stage scared, just so scared. Um, I did three minutes that felt like twenty. <laughs> um, I did like three minutes and people laughed at me and I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> um. And the next thing I know, I'm a comedian. <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I'm wearing, I'm, you know, in the uniform, jeans, a, a hoodie, and <laughs> and and chucks, you know, like just, yeah. <laughs> um, and it just felt like a culmination of who I was up to that point, and it was great, and I love it, and you know, the opportunity to be on stage with Sarah Silverman, you know, tour with Lisa. Um, not Lisa, uh, Liz Winstead, and and to be on stage with you know Beth Stelling, Gina Yashere, Michelle Buteau was one of my mentors. Like mm. all these people, to be on stage with them and to it's a, a pretty awesome. So all these late lady laughs, la- all these late all these ladies laughs, lady laughs comedy. Yeah. <laughs> One lady, multiple laughs. One lady, multiple laughs. You know, like we we like a multiple laugh situation. So you found an organization named Lady Laughs Comedy. Is yeah. where I was going with that. that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Lady Laughs Comedy. It's my 
I teach stand up now. Okay. Uh, teach stand up and acting and for the camera. Um, and Lady Laughs Comedy was found as a, a festival originally. Because uh, I moved to the middle of the country and women were inviting me into a women's spaces. And I was like, holy cow, yay. I get to be me. <laughs> um, seen definitely not a singer anymore. Um, <laughs> but like, I just felt like there needed to be more culmination around women and, and queer people in the comedic arts. Cis white men are great. I date them. Um, but they, they're always on preferred on stage. Like no matter how mediocre they are, they get ahead of (laughs) (laughs) so bitchy. Um, they get ahead of women and queer people constantly. And so one of my goals is to like change that. Like women are funny because we've had to be funnier than men all of our lives, you know, all of our careers. Um, and prioritizing those spaces, creating spaces intentionally where where cis men, cis men are the outsiders, changes the dynamic mm-hmm. and gives us a space to really be encouraging of each other. And I think that's the biggest thing that I experienced at my first festival was like, we didn't have that pressure of having to perform against men. Um, we were here to support each other and have fun. And and it really changed something in the scene. And it changed something in me. So I was like, more of this, please. Yeah. And then men are welcomed in. Cis men are welcomed in. They're just not prioritized, yeah. you know? It's not about them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It rarely is. <laughs> I'm trying to cook up an analogy right now. <laughs> so, uh, a while ago, someone I knew said that... Cook analogies, not meth, people. <laughs> <laughs> and um, someone told me that there are fewer WNBA teams than NBA teams. So the way he saw it, the d- average WNBA, play- a WNBA player had to have sort of a... They had to be in a higher <coughs> percentage or like a percentile of the population of basketball players for their gender um, to be at the top. Do you feel that that same effect exists in comedy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's the... uh, I'm not sure how to phrase this other than an antiquated phrase, but like minority um, exceptionalism. And, and I don't mean that as minority. I, I, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, uh, there's... Yeah. Black women have to be more exceptional than white women to get anywhere. Um, women have to be more exceptional, incredibly more exceptional than men to get anywhere. Qu- trans people, queer people, have to be more exceptional in their field to get anywhere and and i think that's just the way that patriarchal colonization has has the dynamic that that's given us and it stinks you know like 
It's not about performance. It's about how much better than the average Joe are you performing. And that's the only way you get ahead. That's kind of messed up. So, yes, a great analogy. Good cooking. (laughs) It smelled delicious and tasted (laughs) even better. So, in addition to its role as a... Actually, I'm still curious about its role as a comedy festival. Yeah. With Lady Last Comedy. So, uh, when it when you started it, um, how did what was it like running a festival? Exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, it was a lot of work, and I need more people to help. Always, I think that's a standard thing for people. Yeah. But it was a. It was a lot. It was incredible. Like, when women, queer people, and, you know, a couple of men come from all over the country, Canada, Australia, to perform in Madison, and watching these women connect with each other in ways that they don't get to on on a weekly daily basis in their community um was pretty is pretty awesome so the festival itself when it happened was amazing and stressful it was just so much work and i was so exhausted after them that i'd have to take like a week off you know and then i'd move (laughs) for some reason (laughs) Is it at the same time each year? Uh, currently, we're not. <coughs> so 2020 was the last one, and it went virtual. Mm. Um, so I'm I'm now just really focused on teaching. I don't – unless I get – who knows if it will come back. It may, it may not. But right now, um, I'm just focusing on teaching. What's teaching like for you? I love it. Um I think the thing, like, you interviewed Alice Pauser, who is this incredible talent, you know, and I get to watch that, and I have, like, a student named Lolita D., who ended up moving to the West Coast, and she's performing all over the West Coast, you know? Like, I'm watching, like, really solid talent you know, make it in a bigger yeah. market. And I, I have a friend, uh, one of my students, Erin Locke, moved to the West Coast or East Coast. And uh, she's doing great stuff there. She, like, she finished class right before the shutdown. Mm-hmm. And she spent the whole shutdown doing open mics online and oh, meeting wow. people all over the country, all over the world. And after that, as soon as we started moving out of the, pan- you know, out of lockdown, like she was touring in Canada and I'm wow. like, I'm jealous of your career, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, and then I have another student who's trying to do some lady life stuff in Pennsylvania. So, oh, wow. um, I train people to be professional comedians so that when you come out of my class, you can go to Chicago or LA or, or New York and feel comfortable. Like you're going to know what you're doing. Um, and that makes me excited to see more women, older women, you know, queer women, 
um, and queer people. And, and anyway, like I, all my students, I'm, I'm really proud of the vast majority of them. <laughs> um, but to see them come out and hit the comedy scene here and people will be like, oh my God, you're, you know, you're a comedian, amazing. And it, I'm a proud mama, you know, like yeah. I don't have a uterus, I don't have children, I have a dog and I have comedy <laughs> babies. That's really weird. <laughs> well, I mean, you do get to foster that talent and watch it come to fruition. Yeah, it's exciting to me. Like, I love that. Like when I'm able to say, oh, one of my friends from LA that I knew from years ago and and they're like, oh, you know so-and-so? And I was like, yeah, I'm kind of <laughs> responsible for them. That feels good, you know? Yeah. Like, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> All right. So you also have, um, on your LinkedIn. <laughs> oh, no, I'm so scared. <laughs> You're listed as president and CEO of Artemis Bow Network. Yeah, Artemis Bow Productions is my company, ah. um, which the uh, podcast network, which – we're filling out slowly. Um, is Artemis Bow Network, and right now we've got Alice Pauser's podcast, um, um, and it is called "Feral Little Woman." Yeah. I was like, "What is it called?" "Feral Little Woman," and um, That's yeah, such an so awesome title. yeah, I, th- I know I didn't come up with that even, <laughs> which is shocking. I'm just kidding. <laughs> she's she's so funny. Like this little woman, yeah. you know, like just telling dirty jokes and, oh, it's gorgeous. It's yeah. a beautiful day. Um, and then uh, I've had several podcasts. I had I Love Funny Women, which uh, lasted two seasons. And um, I was working on another show called We Have Quorum, which was a little more political and pop cult- politics, pop culture, and um, weird stuff, you know, <laughs> um, which is kind of a like taking a break right now so who knows i mean i always have things coming but i'm working on my tour right now which is called born loud and it's a comedic storytelling show that infuses my uh my story stories of trans joy you know um with my political activism and you know so going out getting people engaged letting them hear human stories of a trans person you know like yeah so talking about those things getting the stories out so that people see that i'm a human uh that we're all human but that's uh going throughout the country i've got a couple dates in minneapolis and all around wisconsin looking at nashville columbus ohio dallas houston you know what's it like planning a tour it's it's terrible and amazing <laughs> and uh i've got somebody helping me out uh her name is sarah tybring she's amazing um so yeah it, it's a lot too but it's you know that immediate excitement when you get on the show and you get all these people in and you tell your stories and they're like yeah let's change the world yeah someone on the topic of stories you have experience hosting local radio I have. <laughs> <laughs> so you um, are one of the hosts of Query, spelled with two E's. Yeah, Queer. Um, yeah, I, I you know I haven't done it in, within the last year, but um, I have been a consistent co-host on that show, and um, kind of my best friend Greg Potter is also 
uh, one of the hosts on it. So, yeah. He and I started doing radio in Los Angeles. Uh, we did internet radio for a long time. And then um, uh, in 2007, 2008, when the you know Great Recession happened and radio stations were changing, they lost a lot of talent. So we mm. ended up being on this amazing podcast channel with all these incredible talk talk show hosts from LA and and we've been kind of podcasting and doing radio ever since so how did you get involved with podcasting (laughs) and radio how did it get like okay how the idea come to you this is really how it happened so (laughs) Greg and I were at this you know burrito restaurant this national chain and we're sitting there eating and we we're just we're just loud and you know that's why my tour is called born loud uh but we're we're just having conversations and and we heard people laughing at it at our conversations and then like everywhere we went it was like a show you know like all of a sudden people we'd have people in conversations that we'd never knew and just met you know it's so weird and we're like we should do radio and uh so we started um we got a radio show together and then uh then the evolution into podcasting and yeah so it all started because we're we're obnoxious um in public <laughs> the idea of just talking to your best friend in public and then people are tuning in is such a that feels like foundational to the idea of a podcast yeah <laughs> it, totally it's obnoxious like i oh, wow it was it was a lot, um, but I'm glad we're like I'm glad we had those experiences, and I'm glad we're uh, we all had the the ability to continue doing those things. You know, like it's gotten me jobs because I now know I, I may not be like a great producer, and I may not know every board, but I know how to produce, you know, podcasts. And edit and I, all those things that I learned throughout the years that I that are marketable skills now. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> it's good. Yeah, those are great skills. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we are actually nearing the end of our show, and I just want to ask if there's anything else you wanted to talk about before we finished up. Any upcoming upcoming votes you'll be casting? Stuff stuff in that vein. <laughs> um, you know, right now there's nothing of importance that I. And I can tell anybody, but um, I definitely am excited about working further to make the lives of people better. So, yeah. Were you seeing a ghost? I was like, I was. Well, I was looking around because I was trying to find a little piece of paper in the studio because I realized there's something very important that I forgot to say. Yes. The opinions expressed on this show do not reflect the views of WSUM, the University of Wisconsin-Madison, or its Board of Regents. Nor of the Common Council of Matt. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you do have to disclaim. I don't know. <coughs> I don't know. Like, I, look, I, I have my own opinions, and, and, you know, people agree with me or they don't agree with me. And Well, regardless that of That is any dumb. <laughs> regardless, regardless of any disclaimers. Mm. Dina, you seem exceptional. <laughs> oh, thank you. So do you. <laughs> I'm trying to say the line more. You seem exceptional. That is, 
is the title of our program, which, as a reminder, you can find all the old installments of this show at WSUM.org under the podcast tab. <laughs> you seem exceptional. <laughs> all right. Well, that's goodbye for now, Madison. 